0: Why on earth would Bob Nutting or anyone involved in the Pittsburgh management be in favor of a salary floor? Well, here are some answers on that front, because boy does this get misconstrued. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning, I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates, comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. It's rare to find anyone discussing the owner's last proposal before the Major League Baseball lockout and not getting all giddy, and I'm talking about nationally here, over the idea of forcing the pirates and the Orioles and the Rays and whoever else to spend up to the floor. We'll show them. We'll make them compete. Okay, to an extent, that's accurate. To an extent, it's painfully accurate that the pirates haven't spent all that they could under Nutting. I've been saying it for years. I've been writing it for years. It remains true. It's arguably truer than ever right now with where payroll is. However, however, the idea of a salary floor that forces teams to spend up as being some sort of finger wag to them is the Total antithesis of what would actually occur. And here's why. I'm going to take you back to the owner's proposal. That, by the way, was summarily rejected by Tony Clark and the union, the players. It had a $180 million salary tax threshold. So it wasn't a hard cap. It wasn't a you can't go over this or else the way it is, for example, in the NFL and the NHL. It was a tax threshold. So if you cross that threshold as a team like the Dodgers undoubtedly would and can, by the way, that money that they spend over that gets taxed and the tax revenue, if you want to call it that, ends up helping to fund the teams at the bottom to make sure that they can afford to get up to whatever the salary floor is. In this case, it was proposed to be $100 million. So which direction would be most draconian? It's hard to say, but if you count the number of teams that are under a hundred million, you're looking at half of everyone in baseball. Whereas if you count the number of teams that are over the current threshold of 210 million, it's one. It's the Dodgers. The Yankees and Red Sox are just under it, and they'd have to make some adjustments to get under the new proposed threshold, but they could pull that off without any real difficulty. So what happens here? You're not going to have enough money coming from the Dodgers to fund everybody else. Well, the answer to that is simple as well. Every time a cap-type system has been put in, in professional sports, most recently and most prominently in the National Hockey League, roughly two decades ago, there's a grandfathering period. You don't have to be at $100 million by the next time you play, just like the Dodgers don't get punished the full way for being that far above the threshold in the first year. It's almost impossible for teams to adjust their rosters based on existing individual contracts and commitments to make that work. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. The reason you can't just snap a finger and make it underneath a certain threshold or above a certain threshold is that individual contracts remain honored through any kind of collective bargaining process. Whatever it is that the owners and players ultimately end up agreeing on or whether the owners break the union or whatever it is, the individual contracts that have been signed must be honored. They are legal and binding. So even if, and I'm not suggesting anything like this will happen, even if baseball put in an individual maximum salary the way the NHL and the NBA have, the existing contracts would have to be honored no matter how long they run. That's just how it goes. So to swing a whole roster in either direction is really, really hard. It's a mathematical challenge, even if you're trying just to do it hypothetically. So if you're looking at the Pirates roster... And you say, all right, well, they've got to pay, uh, you know, at least a handful of guys. You know, Yoshi's making a little bit of money now. Uh, who else? Roberto Perez came in for a, a year and $5 million. Uh, Brian Reynolds is going to make some kind of significant money in arbitration, or maybe he'll get an extension. But you're not going to see them get anywhere near $100 million, no matter what ends up happening. So, what does have to occur because you want to make sure that there's good faith involved in this, and you need to make sure in certain cases, and I happen to believe that Nutting and the Pirates are one of them, that they honor this. You've got to have at least a step taken. You've got to say, all right, listen, we understand. It's impossible to get to 100 unless you go out and just grossly overpay, I don't know, give Colin Moran a one-year $40 million deal to come back and back up at first base, right? So they'll do it in steps. You have to be at 60, you have to be at 80, and the year after that you got to be at 100. That, That allows you the time to structure your roster in a way and at the same time not blow up what you've built. In the Pirates case, as strange as this will sound, they could actually damage themselves by getting to 100 way too fast because you'd be spending on something really, really stupid in the short term and you might be blocking off roster spots from kids that you know are ready to come in and take them. Does that make sense? So all of these things have to line up. Why would the Pirates be in favor of this? Well, you got to take something of a long view here. The revenue sharing that exists currently in Major League Baseball, and I'm talking about not just broadcasting, but merchandise, Internet. uh, There's tons of stuff that's on the list would be greatly expanded in a cap-type system. And by that, of course, I'm referencing the big, big, big elephant, actually herd of elephants in the room, and that's local TV revenues. That's where the Dodgers are getting their spoils. If you take local TV money and say, listen, we're going to cut this up in a certain way that it benefits all 30 teams, all 30 local TV contracts, get pulled a certain way. In that event, the pirates' revenues go higher, and it's extremely easy to get to the floor, and the business itself is more sound. That is why they'd be in favor of a floor. Whatever it is that you've heard or read to the contrary that sounds like Nutting will never be in favor of da No man, no, no, no. This makes things way too easy. But at the same time, it also puts into place assurances that he'll be forced to spend to a certain level. If you don't like nutting or you don't trust nutting, and I understand that that only accounts for 99.9% of you, this is exactly what you want. This is exactly what you want. And strangely enough, it's also exactly what he'd want. When we come back, just one question. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. Time for just one question, today's comes from John, who asks, in reference to yesterday's episode focusing on outfield, or the lack thereof, within the Pirates system, how come you never mention Matthew Fraser or Kanan Smith-Najigba when talking about potential outfielders? Those two guys are way farther along than Travis Swaggerty or Jack Swinski. This is a fair point to bring up. When you look at the outfielders that are in the AA-slash-AAA category, and that's really now where you want to classify guys like this, given the year lost to development and not knowing exactly where they belong and who would have leapfrogged whom along the way, especially... When it comes to Fraser, who had an excellent 2021, mostly in Greensboro, eventually ended up getting up to Altoona. But these guys aren't in the readiness class, certainly not of Swaggerty. Swaggerty was considered advanced before getting shut down last year with a shoulder issue for anybody who missed yesterday, and Sawinski... Played the entire year, but stayed in double A. That still would be advanced compared to the other two. If I'm looking at who might leap up to try to address what you're bringing up here, I'm still basically throwing a blanket over the group. But the two guys that I mentioned yesterday remain at the forefront. All you need to know about how the Pirates feel, about how Ben Charrington, Steve Sanders, John Baker, and the whole crew feel about their outfielders is that Rodolfo Castro had a, an express lane pass from Altoona to Pittsburgh last year. No need to pass Indianapolis. No need to collect $200. Just zip, zip, zip back and forth. Why? Because he was producing, because they trusted his maturity level. And he ended up, to some extent, particularly early with those five home runs in five games, rewarding them. But the real outlook here is that any of them could do it. Any of them. I mean, you notice that I also didn't mention Jared Oliva, who they have playing in winter ball right now and is is, is doing okay down there. All of it should have been in this mix all along. Just hasn't produced, especially when he's come to the majors, he's just done nothing, nothing at the Pittsburgh level. and admittedly few opportunities. So there's right there a handful of candidates to take what appears to be two starting vacancies at the big league level. I don't anticipate that Ben will go out and get another veteran outfielder to add on top of keeping Ben Camel, which he's already done. So if Anthony Alford does, in fact, follow through on the promise that he showed from this past September, and it was modest promise, but there was something there, you're going to see Those three guys, Brian Reynolds, Alfred, and Gam will be your starting outfield. And then you're going to see the rest of these prospects that I just mentioned, all five of them, basically duking it out. I could throw Castro in there too, six of them. And go ahead, you know, fight for it. That's part of what was ascribed way at the beginning when Charrington was hired that he wanted to see competition in the miners. I don't know that this is competition I'm not super impressed by any of these individuals to date as it relates to their Pittsburgh potential but we'll see we'll find out I appreciate the question I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Fires. let's do another one tomorrow